to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700, Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Andy is the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. He's also the managing editor of Salt City Hoops, the True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. I'm Ben Anderson, co-host of Gunther and Ben right here on ESPN 700, Monday through Friday, 2 to 6. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in to the Salt City Hoops show. We know that we are not on every week, at least we haven't been lately. Been a lot of... Uh, NCAA college basketball going on, including a game that just wrapped up with the University of Utah knocking off Western Kentucky 69 to 64. And they will advance to the championship game Thursday night at Madison Square Garden against either Penn State or Mississippi State. So exciting news for the University of Utah. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, you, you referenced we haven't been on the air for a couple of weeks, but there have also been jazz games on Tuesdays yep. as well. So it's, it's a busy schedule with uh, basketball in the state of Utah right now, both with Utah playing deep into March, if if not in the uh, preferred tournament, you still like to see them getting to New York and having success there. And then, of course, the Utah Jazz are on kind of a, a head-turning run through the NBA that, that's moving them up in the playoff standings. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about today. Kind of an abbreviated show because we started after the Utah game. Again, the Utes getting the win. Uh, but we're going to take all your Jazz questions. If you want to tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson or at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. You can also call in 877-353-0700, 877-353-0700. We'd always love to hear from you. Uh, we're going to look at the schedules uh, along the way for the eight teams really still vying for a playoff spot in the West, not counting the uh, the Rockets and the Warriors because I think they've already – I mean, they've already guaranteed their spots. No one's going to catch them. It, you know, I think uh, the, the Rockets are locked in at number one pretty much, even though I know statistically they could still fall to number two. The Warriors are pretty much guaranteed to be the two spot. I think both of those teams are happy to be in those positions and aren't going to really fight other than trying to manage to stay healthy to adjust their playoff positioning. Otherwise, the Blazers, and you know, we probably don't even need to talk a ton about the Blazers. I think they're far enough away in the three seed that they're probably going to lock that up. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, they're, you know, as you pointed out, their schedule is, is, I don't want to say that it's easy, uh, but it, it's that it's. I, I just I I think that you're right that they are going to stay in that three seed. I think that's pretty likely. Um, some of these models that look at how likely it is that they that each team falls in each seed says that the Blazers have about a 75 percent chance or greater at staying in that number three spot, right? Which is you know pretty good odds. Which is a crazy it, though because technically they haven't even locked up a playoff spot yet, right? Right. And I mean, you look at, uh, I mean, sure, they're only, what, five games ahead of a, a playoff spot in the Nuggets? So their magic the bottom, number with so. the Nuggets has got to be two or three. Now, I don't know who owns the tiebreaker in that matchup, but it's two or three right now, which you have to assume the Blazers will win two or three and the uh, the Nuggets will lose two or three still. And that number is a little bit more up in the air with them playing the New Orleans Pelicans tonight, right? Yeah. And and so right now they're down four seventy five seventy one at the end of the third quarter, playing in New Orleans. So you know, but that that's a game that you know if they if the Blazers do win that game, and I think if you're a Jazz fan, you should be rooting for them to win that game. Uh, you know, I I think that that third seed becomes much more solid, and if they lose it, then I think maybe you feel like more that anything could happen. Uh, but some other good news for the Jazz already today: Spurs lose on the road at the Wizards, so the Jazz were a game and a half or a game back of the Spurs going into the day. And you remember the Jazz own that tiebreaker, so as long as they're tied with the Spurs at the end of the season in a one-way tie, head-to-head tie, the Jazz would get that higher seed. But the Spurs losing on the road at the Wizards is a good sign. Now the Jazz lost the other- to them. 
the other thing about that game, just let me interject really quick, is that LaMarcus Aldridge went down with a left knee contusion huh. in that game, or at least that's what the Spurs are calling it right now. We'll see if there's any ligament damage or anything like that, but he only played 18 minutes in oh, that wow. game and, and left. If that forces him to miss even a week or two, all of a sudden you could see the Jazz, the Spurs fall even further behind and maybe and, out of you know, the playoffs. behind the Jazz. And yeah, yeah, you're right. The out of the playoffs is not out of the question because they're only three games up. I want to say on the Nuggets right now because they were a game up on the Jazz. Now only a half a game, and the Jazz were two games up on the Nuggets. So they're only two and a half games up on the Nuggets. Now that could fall back to three as the Nuggets are on the road at the Raptors. Two minutes left in that game. The Raptors are up by six and will probably be able to take care of that. Uh, going back to LaMarcus Aldridge really quick, though. I mean, you saw him against the Jazz, over 40 points. He was brilliant. Uh, he's been carrying that Spurs team for a long time right now. It doesn't look like they're going to get Kawhi back. At least I'm not anticipating that. Yeah. Uh, so if they don't have LaMarcus Aldridge, that team's not going to be able to score the ball. I Yeah, I agree. And, and you've seen them struggle with that in, in even games like, you know, there was that Spurs-Warriors matchup last week, which normally would have been one of the most high-powered offenses, uh, offensive matchups you could have in the NBA and really, we we saw both teams without their stars, which was which was just a bummer. Uh, Marcus Aldridge did end up taking that game over in the fourth quarter, but yeah, it's just uh, it, it, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge has really carried the Spurs, like you say, and and really against the Jazz last week, I, I was there at that performance, and the way the Jazz were defending him was was pretty impeccable. Sure. It was just Marcus Aldridge just shooting over the top right. with his. Honestly, uh, almost a 10-foot release point on right. that jump shot. Which is why he's a guy that, you know, has made several All-Star games mm-hmm. is going to have a chance to be in the Hall of Fame, depending on what type of success he can have with the Spurs and wherever he ends up. Uh, but he's that type of guy. He's that type of talent. So that's something, you know, you need to keep an eye on. When you lose a player of that caliber, not too long ago, he was, you know, a top 20 player in the NBA, and he might still be when he's at his best. So right. Marcus Aldridge is a big-time player. Could end up being a very good night for the Jazz. Again, eight-point lead now for the Raptors with a minute 15 left. They're going to beat the Nuggets. Uh, Wizards already take care of the Spurs. Then the other games you need to watch tonight, Toronto, or I should say Trailblazers on the road at the Pelicans. Andy, as you had mentioned, you're probably a Blazers fan tonight with just four points left in that, or, or just a four-point difference in that game with 12 minutes left, very much up in the air, especially with Dame time, Damian Lillard. He just he goes off <laughs> in the fourth quarters. He could easily yeah. take over that game. And then tonight, the Bucks on the road at the Clippers. Yeah, and, and I, you know again, that's one that the Bucks could easily win. The I, I don't know that the Joe Prunty Bucks have been any better than the Jason Kidd Bucks, but certainly uh, from a talent point of view, I think you'd favor the Bucks in that matchup. Uh, though the Clippers have been tough, you know, winning games probably they shouldn't have, especially at home. Uh, tweet at us at Andy B Larson at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. We want to hear from you. Break down your questions. Take your calls eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred. Uh, Andy, you got some questions you want to start with? Yeah, let's go. Uh, we, you know, I have that jazz chat every day, and we've got some good questions that people got in late for that. Uh, that I wanna that I wanna answer. Uh, I, let's start with this one. Uh, from Stephen Newbold. While we're talking about the Western Conference playoff picture, Paul George is obviously maybe either their best or second best player. Also a free agent this offseason. For the Oklahoma City Thunder. For the Oklahoma City Thunder, thank you. Would Paul George be an option for the Utah Jazz to sign if the uh, L.A. hype falters, if he doesn't want to go to Los Angeles and join the Lakers, as has been rumored? The Jazz would love to sign Paul George. Yeah, like uh, I think they would love to sign Paul George, and uh, I, I think ultimately if Paul George decides not to go to L.A., he'll stay in Oklahoma City, which yeah. is uh, still a pretty good situation. I think, you know, I, I don't know that you can really say that the the Jazz long-term situation is any better than the Thunders, and sure, 
Carmelo Anthony is a mess, but Russell Westbrook was the MVP of the league last year. I wrote about Steven that Adams today. is only 24 years old. I wrote about that um, today at KSL, about uh-huh. the up-and-coming teams in the Western Conference, not named Houston and Golden State. Who has the best future? And I was surprised at how many of those teams are capped out Yeah, that's for true. the foreseeable future. And the Thunder, it all depends on what you think of Russell Westbrook. Right. Now, I, Russell might be my favorite player in the league to watch. Because he's just a one-man wrecking crew. He's got the best motor in NBA history. I don't think there's any question about that. But does he help you win games? I think so. He probably does. He won the MVP last year. Yeah. And they were the sixth seed. And then he added Paul George this year and Carmelo Anthony, and they're competing for the fifth seed. Yeah, I think he I, I think he unquestionably helps you win games. Sure. I, I also think it's pretty unquestionable at this point that he is one step below the elite players in terms of helping you win games. You know, he's not right. LeBron, he's not Steph Curry, he's not Kevin Durant. Right. James After Harden. that, yeah, yeah um, probably James Harden at this point you can throw in there. After that, you know, I, I think he's, he's you know, anywhere from the 5th to 10th best player in the league, and, and right. that's obviously incredibly valuable and probably something that you can't say that the Jazz have for sure yet, even though, you know, there's been a lot of conversation recently about whether or not Rudy Gobert is a, a top 10 player. Um, I think we've seen those heights from Rudy Gobert. We yeah. haven't seen that kind of consistency from Rudy Gobert, even for a full season yet. So, and then they've got seventy. No, they've got eighty-five million dollars now committed next year to Carmelo Anthony, who will almost certainly opt into his player option because he makes twenty million dollars next year. Yep. Stephen Adams makes twenty-five million, and then Russell Westbrook makes thirty-five million. Right. That's eighty-five million dollars or something in that area for those three players. Really, their only hope is that Paul George resigns or opts into his player option, which is not going to happen. He would have to resign in Oklahoma City, and then Terrence Ferguson takes off, or they get a bunch of people doing what David West did and just signs for the veteran minimum. But here's the thing: you know, the Warriors are the, or I should say, the Thunder are the fourth, fifth, sixth best team to sign that type of deal with right now. Yeah, I. But I also think so. Agreed that Carmelo Anthony will pick up his player option for next year. But then after that's over, you would still then you would probably have some cap space or some ability to to. I mean, I guess it depends on how much you sign Paul George for. Maybe if you sign him for thirty, thirty-five, then you you have still eighty-five, ninety million dollars distributed through three players. Maybe you still can't get enough room to sign a to be a player in twenty nineteen. Sign a Clay or a you know a, a Kawhi, someone like that. So I think those are the questions they have. Yeah, uh, and, and that's why I just don't love the Thunder's long term potential. Uh, if but if Paul George leaves, he's going to Los Angeles, or he's or he's going to stay in Oklahoma City. You know, those are his two options. I, I don't right. really foresee him going somewhere else. And while I think the Jazz would certainly be interested in Paul George, I think if they were getting ready to spend twenty five million dollars somewhere, if they can even clear that much money, which would be very difficult to do this off season, there's other names that would be thrown in there as well. We've got a question from Jazz fan for life, um, listening to the show. Thanks for listening. In in Donovan Mitchell's prime, what sort of level player is it reasonable to believe that he will be? And do you think he can develop a James Harden-type game from a winning standpoint? I'd rather he be that than develop a Westbrook-type game, kind of like talk, what we're talking about. Uh, Obviously, the big question with Donovan Mitchell is, is he always going to shoot 30 times a game? And not always, but yeah. how often is that going to happen? Is he the guy who, you know, once every two weeks is going to shoot 30 times a game? Can you live with that? The Lakers did with Kobe, but, you know, Kobe's one of the 10, 15 greatest players who's ever lived. Is Donovan Mitchell that player? 
Donovan Mitchell doesn't have the height advantage. It's always going to be something he's going to have to overcome his whole life. Agreed. Uh, and I and I see him more in the. No, I I don't think he's a Kobe Bryant. I think he's a Dwayne Wade or Dame Lillard kind of player. Both of those guys. You know, Dwayne Wade was six four. Yeah. Dame, I believe. What is he listed at? Six two. Probably six. I, he's probably six three. Yeah. Somewhere yeah, so, in that range. You know, and, and I think Donovan's Donovan's listed at that. He's really kind of six one and and three quarters. Yeah. But you know, you add the shoes on and everything else. He's in that range, and I think. That's kind of the model for Donovan Mitchell is you look at how Dwayne Wade was able to be really almost the most efficient player in the league, and it was through getting to the free throw line. And and Dwayne Wade in his rookie season went to the free throw line five times a game. For Donovan Mitchell, he hasn't done that that He's under four. He's under four. Um, so it's, it's kind of, can you, can he explode from the free throw line in the, in the way Dwayne Wade did? In his second season, Wade got to the line 10 times a game and really kind of kept at that pace for the rest of his prime. If Donovan Mitchell can do that, then all of a sudden those efficiency numbers explode and you're okay with him taking that many possessions because he's getting to the line and and hitting 80% from the line rather than taking jump shots and and honestly some difficult layup attempts, which we've seen him make, but you know, it's, it's, it's not the foundation of a great efficient player. So Dwayne Wade at his best, where was he in the NBA? He's unquestionably a top five player. Yeah, and honestly, I think in that championship season, the one with Shaq, the one not with, the not the two with LeBron. Yes, the one with Shaq. Agreed. Which was his second year in the NBA, which is crazy. That is crazy. Uh, you got to remember how good he was his first year. In the, he took over a a series. I believe it was against the Charlotte Hornets at the time. Maybe it was the New Orleans Hornets at the time that had Baron Davis. Must have been Bar- Baron Davis and the New Orleans Hornets. I honestly can't remember at this point. That was actually his third season. That was his third season that they won the, that they championship? Won the championship. Okay, still third season. They got to the remarkable. Eastern Conference Finals and lost in Game 7 against the Pistons his sophomore year. So, okay. you know, like that that would be pretty incredible from Donovan Mitchell. And that was pre-Shack, right? And that was correct. So That's pretty uh, remarkable. Yeah. Oh, that no, pal- that that season. Sorry, you're right. Uh, the that second sophomore season did that team did have Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, they then, they did, and they didn't win the finals. And they didn't win the finals. Okay, I the second that. Shaq season. They did win the finals. Won. Okay, I had uh, uh, missed that area. No, I mean it's it's 15 years ago. So uh, yeah, I, I, you know I think Dwayne, Dwayne Wade, Wade was probably the better player on that team, even with Shaq. Oh, and Dwayne, Shaq absolutely. was still a top 10 player, I think, at that time. Shaq was still very good that season. Shaq was still very good, but he was he was only averaging 20 points a game, nine rebounds a game. You know, like it's it's right. nice, but it was clearly at the at you know after the tail end of of Shaq's peak. And there's a reason Dwayne Wade won the Finals MVP. Yes, as well, because Dwayne Wade was was 27 and and six and six. Uh, did he play three years at Marquette or two years at Marquette? Great question. Don't know off the top of my head. Because he's older I, than he's he's also old for his age coming out of college. Uh, so I think he's older than Dwayne uh, than uh, Donovan Mitchell was. You know, with their same years in the NBA. He played two years at Marquette. Okay. Uh, and then w- was born in '82, drafted in in the 20, 2003 NBA draft. So he was actually twenty one. So pretty when, similar. When he was, okay. When just you know, Donovan's twenty one now. Uh, but I don't think that's crazy to think that that's kind of his potential. Now the yeah. league is better than it used to be. Agreed. There's more talent in the league right now. And it's much harder to get to the line. You know, I, I honestly think that the way that the game has been refereed has changed over the last decade, where there's a huge emphasis on verticality now. And big men like Rudy Gobert are getting away with things that I think would have been called fouls 15 years ago on Dwayne Wade are harder to get those calls now. You almost, you have to be on top of a guy almost to to get a foul that... Where you if you just got bumped like Dwayne Wade did, fell to the ground, when you would get to the line more commonly. How many times has Donovan Mitchell though taken ten threes a game? 
already as a right. rookie. And exactly. Has Dwayne, Dwayne Wade, Wade ever has done never it? done that. I don't yeah. know if he's ever done it. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that's, that's where you can get some of that efficiency back that, that Dwayne Wade didn't have. And, you know, maybe that's where you go to the Damian Lillard comparison a sure. little bit. Although, again, it's, it's going to be tough to be as good of a shooter as Dame was, um, or Dame really is. And then even Damian Lillard's, in, in I think, shooting percentages are, are worse than people think they are. Yeah. Off the top of your head, he's not a great shooter. He's actually a, a 37% career shooter. Which is good, not great. Yeah. It's very good, but it's not great. It's not. It's Steph just the, num- the volume he takes, and the, kind of the honestly the spectacular shots he takes and is able to make. Uh, and I think that the Jazz could get there with Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And I think right now you look at Damian Lillard; he's a top ten player in the NBA this season, no question about it. In fact, he's doing it again tonight, uh, updating you on the Portland score uh, with seven minutes to go in this game. They're up eighty nine, eighty four, because Damian Lillard Portland has again got off in the fourth quarter. And uh, New Orleans bench. Starting the, that fourth quarter is a little bit weak. So. They're just so bad without Anthony Davis on the floor. Yeah. I'm not sure if the numbers actually reflect that, but you, we saw it with the Jazz when uh, Donovan Mitchell went on that crazy tear at the end of the third quarter. As soon as Anthony Davis went all, out, the Jazz just repeatedly attacked the rim, and I know you had the one unbelievable finish from Donovan Mitchell around Anthony Davis, but when Mitchell goes to the bench, that team's far more, or I should say when Anthony Davis goes to the bench, that team is far more beatable than they are otherwise. So I, I don't think it's crazy to think that Donovan Mitchell could be a top 10 player. No. I think if I you put either. Damian Lillard next to Rudy Gobert, that team would be insane. Yeah, but yeah. The problem is he has Yusuf Nurkic, and they're going to have to extend him at some point, you know, because they probably can't afford to lose him. Their best hope for getting better, and I wrote about this today at KSL, is Zach Collins really developing into that stretch, big, unicorn-type player. And he might be able to do it. He's really good, uh, but he might not get there either. He's probably not going to be Chris Stapps yeah. uh, at any point. So they've got to figure out what that big man looks like, which is why the idea of them getting DeAndre Jordan this offseason or, or this, this past trade deadline was so, uh, was so exhilarating and would have made that team significantly different. Yeah, it's just you trade like a CJ McCollum for DeAndre Jordan, and, and I don't know that they should have. You know, yeah. CJ McCollum is a scintillating offensive talent in his own right. And you're always going to be able to trade CJ McCollum for a good player. Yes. So I think maybe they said, you know what, let's wait until we know we have the right player and we're ready to compete. I don't think the Blazers knew they were going to be this good this season. Yeah. Not, not three uh, I, seed good. Right. I, it's hard to say that they're really three seed good. You know what I mean? Because they're going to finish with 48-49 wins. Right. That's not usually not enough to get you wins. a three seed in the Western Conference. Right. So I, I, you know, I think they are both, you're right, better than they expected, and yet not. You don't want to get too carried away with where, you're in, where you are in the, the standing, so to speak. You want right. to look at your win total. You want to look at your actual performance and see if it's, if it's what you want it to be. Because you're right. You, you see three seed and you think that's, that's a contender. And I, I think we all know that the Portland Trailblazers are not really a contender. Correct. They, they're, you know, they're, they're just as likely to not be playing in the Western Conference Finals as everyone from <laughs> four until to yeah, ten right yeah. now. They're just as unlikely to make it there. As anybody else in that stretch. Uh, Jazz fan for life. Good question. You can always tweet at us. At Andy B. Larson. At Ben's Hoops. Yeah. Uh, getting you updated on some scores really quick because we told you there was a bunch of big games tonight. As we mentioned, the Spurs lost on the road at the Wizards. That's a huge benefit for the Jazz. The Jazz are now just a half game back of San Antonio. Jazz get to play a beat-up Boston Celtics team tomorrow night. Nuggets lost on the road at the Raptors, though they got this close late, 114-110. to 110. So the Jazz put another half game between themselves and the Nuggets. That's now up to two and a half games. Uh, and then late in this one, six minutes to go, Trailblazers 91 and the uh, Pelicans 88. So the Jazz getting some help there as the Pelicans are beating the Pelicans, or the uh, the Blazers have overtaken the Pelicans late in this game. Yes. Well, now uh, it's tied, 91-91. So, <laughs> so there we go. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, it's one of those things where these standings, you know, the, 
this win or loss for uh for New Orleans could move them uh, up or down. You know, if they if they win this game, they're tied for fourth with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and if they lose this game, they're tied for sixth with the San Antonio Spurs. So, like, you know, really anything can happen in in this Western Conference, and it's it's one game and on either side. All right, we've got a question from Randy Batcher. Do we want to take that? Let's take a break, oh, and then okay. we'll come back and answer that question. Perfect. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. This is the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. What you gonna do with all that junk, all that junk inside your trunk? I'ma get, 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 get you drunk, get you love drunk off my hump, my hump, my hump, my hump, my hump, my hump. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Tuesday night, 8.02. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Hope everyone's having an eventful night. Exciting night. Uh, getting you updated on a big score in the NBA right now. Jazz fans undoubtedly watching. Portland on the road at the Pelicans. 3.47 left in this game. Uh, at a timeout, Portland is up 96.95. And uh, Drew just scored, so it's 97.96 now. 97.96, like okay. It keeps going back and forth. Sorry to keep correcting you. It's just like... This is I'm just watching this game on my computer, you know, because of how important it is in the Western Conference. Jazz fans, you're rooting for the Blazers tonight. Damian Lillard, 37 points on 17 of 30 shooting. Yeah, he's unbelievable. He he, he really is. And honestly, Anthony Davis has 12 in the fourth quarter too. So this is that's how good the West is right now. Yeah. The West is really incredibly good, and and what it says so much about both Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. That the Jazz are competing night in and night mm-hmm. out with Lamarcus Aldridge. Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Carl Anthony Towns, yeah, Patrick Beverly. <laughs> I don't know, you know, <laughs> Quinn I know Cook. he's not playing yet. Yeah. Quinn <laughs> Cook with the Warriors. Uh, yeah, it says so much about the Jazz youth right now that they have kept up with that. It says a lot about Quinn Snyder because Quinn Snyder is really one of the best coaches in the league. I think we've learned that over the last several seasons, but certainly the last two years. But uh, the fact that Donovan Mitchell. And Rudy Gobert are keeping the Jazz in these games that really they probably don't have any business winning, considering both where they were drafted, what their skill sets are, or how old they are. Yeah. The Jazz shouldn't be in these series right now, or shouldn't be in these games, and, and in fact not, are not only doing it, but look like they're going to be able to move up on a lot of these teams. Uh, questions? Yes, at, Randy, at uh, Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops on Twitter is the best way to get in touch with us. Randy Botcher's question: If the Jazz finish seventh, can they beat an injured Warriors team in a first round series? I still don't think so. Like I, 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 I like their odds more now than I did before. Yes, I do too. I still think Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green is a really, really, really good core. Remember the the Warriors won a championship with just Steph, uh, Clay, and Dre. Yep. And you know, I, I think Kevin Durant is a comparably skilled talent to Steph Curry. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't think that that series would, I don't think that series is really winnable for the Jazz, although obviously, you know, you'd rather have it than if Steph did play. If you're looking at it from a championship or bust point of view, then I guess maybe you want to face the Warriors in the first round. Absolutely. And, and you know, then you face them while Steph is at least partially. If you're going to have to hurt. go through them, go through them without Steph. But I, I don't look at it, this team is not a championship or bust team. And yeah, you're better to get the sixth seed and avoid them altogether. I would still rather play Damian Lillard sure, you'll, you'll at 100% still... than the Warriors minus Steph Curry. So you're saying that if the Warriors and Blazers play, or what, what are you saying? That you're, saying if still... I'm the Jazz, 
I would rather get the sixth seed and play sure. a 100% healthy sure. Blazers than get the seventh seed and play them without Steph Curry. But I'm saying, and yeah, and then you, you probably get swept again. Fine. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I would still rather have One that another playoff series than the playing with the Warriors without Steph Curry in the first round and maybe a better second round matchup. Uh, good tweet. Yeah. Uh, Andy's the managing editor of Salt City Hoops. He's also the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. I'm the co-host of Gunther and Ben right here on ESPN 700, Monday through Friday, 2 to 6. You can call us 877-353-0700, 877-353-0700. Andy, more questions? Yeah, uh, we got a lot of off-season focus questions, actually. Um, so we're kind of switching gears a little bit. Um, you know, kind of, uh, let's look at a big picture first here with this question from Elise. She's proud, at proud cat lady on Twitter. Okay. Uh, thinking ahead, ashamed. yeah. What kind of moves might we expect from the Jazz this summer? It's way too early, but I'm already excited for some more Dennis Lindsay magic. Uh, the magic might resemble more what we've seen two and three years ago than it did this past year. And even then, this past year, if the magic was signing Jonas Jerebko, yeah, I, I think the magic will resemble, honestly, you know, what the Jazz have done in free agency for the last few years, which is, uh, Here's the deal. In order to get max cap space, the Jazz would have to let go Tabo Cephalosha, Jonas Drebko, Ekpe Udo, Derek Favors, Dante maybe Exum. Dante Exum. Probably, almost probably Dante. you know, depending on what he's going to get, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Probably Howell Neto as well, uh, depending on what you think he's going to be So getting. that's seven players, right? right? Six players that are all of them... With the exception of... level players. Yeah, they're rotation-level players. Whether or not they're actually in the rotation, they are rotation-level yeah. players. For to open up that max cap space for a guy like a Jabari Parker or an Aaron Gordon. Now, if you get a star, one star is better than all those guys combined. Yes, I actually you get I a, honestly believe that. If you get a Paul George, yeah, cool. Uh, I don't think the Jazz are getting Paul George as we talked about. I don't think I, I I still think that the Milwaukee Bucks and Orlando Magic would match most contract offers on those Jabari Parker and Aaron Gordon, which are kind of the next guys that. And those guys actually would be good fits, I believe, next to Rudy Gobert in the four in the Jazz's offense. Yep. But it's just you have to give up so much depth in order to do it that I don't know that it's worth the relative risk of spending 20 to $25 million a year on Jabari Parker, who's coming off of two ACL surgeries and is an iffy defensive player, and Aaron Gordon, who's honestly hasn't shown the ability to be a really efficient player yet. Who would you rather have, end of the Aaron Gordon or Jabari Parker? It's a really good question. Uh, I, I'd probably go Aaron Gordon. You would? I I worry about the knees, and I worry okay. about the lack of defense. Jabari's a better player. Yeah. But he's got more red flags for me. I, I think if you're making a high-risk, high-reward decision like that, I think i go all the way with the high-risk okay. in, in Jabari Parker. And I think with the way he moves the ball especially, uh, I, I think he's he's actually a better passer, I think, than people give him credit Jabari? for Jabari is. Jabari's great. Uh, he's a great player. I he's, think he'd be a great player. He's had two catastrophic knee injuries and foot problems when he was this, in college and there's weight concerns. Yeah. You know, there's a ton there. So your option B, if you want to keep those guys and don't want to sign Jabari Parker or Aaron Gordon or kind of risk it, is send, spend the mid-level exception on somebody. And that's going to be about $9 million that the Jazz can use to sign a Trevor Ariza-level player, a Will Barton-level player. J.J. Redick, I think, Still think probably gets more, gets than, more that, than that, but yeah. um, you know you're you're hoping for the best there. Someone like that you may be able able to add. And then the next off season, you still have a bunch of money. 
Yeah, although maybe you want to sign that mid-level guy to a one-year deal so, you know, you you have as much money as possible Correct. in 2019. Which is also fine. You do what JJ Redick did with the Philadelphia 76ers this year where he's making 23 million or something absurd. Sure. But then he's off the books and then yeah, you're in a good spot and maybe you just do that with JJ Redick and JJ Redick makes 50 million dollars in a two-year span of his career. But you can't give him 25 million dollars unless you open up all that cap space. Right. So like So yeah, you yeah. you could probably give him what, 12, 13 you can give him nine. That's okay. what I'm saying. It's like just as a mid-level exception, because right. uh, because if you if you're keeping Tabo and Ekpe and Jonas or two of the three, you, and, and you're re-signing Dante Exum and those kind of things, uh, I just don't think that you're going to have much more cap room than the nine million dollars that the mid-level gives you anyway. And the reason everyone's looking at the summer of 2019 is because Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, if he doesn't sign the 200 million dollars this offseason, which he almost positively will, with the Spurs. Assuming they like each other still. Yeah, that's a question. Uh, but there's some names that are out there available in 2019 that the Jazz would definitely be interested in. Yes. And, you know, if you could add Clay Thompson to this mix, the Jazz become insanely dangerous really quickly. Agreed. Uh, and from what I hear, I think Clay might be more likely to stay than Kawhi, for what huh. that's worth. Okay. Uh, and then there's kind of option C, which is make some trade in there that kind of fills up that cap space. Uh, Nico Miritich is the obvious candidate where I don't know that the Pelicans really want his deal anyway if they're going to resign DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, and I think they do want to resign DeMarcus Cousins. And so if they want to just dump Nico Miritich's salary onto an obviously interested team, the Utah Jazz would be that team. The Jazz could even give them maybe their first round pick back or, you know, whatever that looks like, the, the 22nd pick or whatever the Jazz have now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, end up with the season with and, and maybe make that move. I could see the Jazz doing that. Huh. I think the Jazz would be wise to hold on to their first-round draft pick. This draft all of a sudden looks a little bit better than it did maybe a few months ago. Yeah. I think there's some more depth here. And if they're desperate to get rid of a guy like Nikola Miritich and you're only getting him and for one, one year, then can you trade Tabo Cephalosha, Jonas Jerebko, and Ekbe Udo? Yeah, maybe. And say, you guys keep those guys or waive those guys. Yeah. They're all non-guaranteed money, and that's $12 million combined. And then you get Nikola Miritich back essentially for nothing. That is, is not a bad idea at all. So I can see the Jazz doing that as well. Yeah. Off-season plans. Uh, but honestly, I think the Jazz are going to re-sign Donovan. I think a lot of people are going to start doing what Jerry West did with uh, Blake Griffin, which is sign him, pay him, trade him. Yeah. Even if you're in luxury cap hell for three months and it feels really nerve-wracking for your owner, convince him that that's the right move and then trade him, which is what I think the Bucks are going to do with Jabari Parker, which is what I think the Magic will do with Aaron Gordon. Sign him, have him, and then trade him later because, as you learned, people are tradable. That's – I, I – Agreed. I think that's a smart strategy. I think you have to be absolutely sure that that guy is going to have positive trade value in three months. Like, for example, I don't know that John Wall has positive trade value right now after signing okay. his extension. You know, I, I think, you know, given that he's going to be making $45 million in 2023, that no team is really excited to take on that contract and, and have to, you know, really handicap themselves with that, with that deal. Uh, I, I, I just think that you have to be sure. I think the Jazz, made that same had that same thought process with Rodney Hood for example and decided no we still think that Rodney Hood at 15 to 20 million dollars which is what they thought they would have to sign him at is not going to have positive trade value next season um but it, yeah it's something to, to think about but you have to be sure if you do that next question at Andy B Larson at Ben's Hoops on Twitter this is the Salt City Hoop show if you're just tuning in we talk the Utah Jazz we talk the NBA we'd love to hear from you let's talk about uh Sam Sorensen's question which is kind of related to what Elise asks how much Dante how much money could Dante Exum possibly demand 
demand is an interesting question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he can demand whatever he wants. Like, uh, I think realistically, he's at that seven to ten million dollar range. Uh, it's hard because yeah, he doesn't have that history of performance. Um, right, he doesn't even have the Jabari Parker thing, where yeah, no. he's been injured a bunch, but at least when he's been good, there's the thought that he might be a you know the second or third best player on your team. Right, and and we're talking twenty to twenty five million dollars for Jabari Parker. I think for Dante Exum, given that production, and, and again, given kind of his, uh, and honestly, he has shown flashes. Yep, there's no doubt. I mean, against San Antonio the other night is definitely one of them. Right. Uh, and, and sorry, and actually, I meant the the Warriors game. Yep. Uh, he. He changed that game for the Jazz and his ability to score one-on-one yep. with speed in transition. Uh, I think given that potential and given that the fact that the Jazz don't want to lose him, I, you know, I, I think there's, there's going to be a team out there that is willing to offer him 7 to $10 million hmm. in restricted free agency to try to get him away and, and make the Jazz pay more. The good news is there's not that much money out there right now. No, there's not. The good news is there's a bunch of point guards in the NBA. Everyone has a good point guard, it seems like. And I think that's why I think he gets a mid-level from somebody, from someone taking a flyer. You know, we're we're talking about all the teams that are capped out, right? right. The teams that don't have money. Right. Well, if the mid-level is eight point five nine million dollars, and you can get a again a high risk, high reward guy like Dante Exum in free agency, it's worth it. Maybe it's worth signing him to that deal. And so you sign him to a three-year, twenty-seven million dollars, or even four years, thirty-six million dollars to try to get him away from the Jazz and see if, if, if they'll match it. Uh, and I think the Jazz would match it. And I think the Jazz, yeah, I think the Jazz would match that deal, although then then you get into kind of scary Alec Burks t- category, you know? Sure. Uh, and even then, Alec Burks hasn't, you know, it's like Alec Burks has prevented the Jazz from getting to the playoffs. Sure, yeah. Either year, like either the past right. two years, you know, and, and you'd probably love to trade in this offseason. You're not going to, uh, most likely, but you, you would love to trade in this offseason if you could. Uh, the good news is he's Dante Exum. Still, there's this mystery about him that I still thinks makes him more tradable even than Alec Burks, because there's oh, still yeah. this idea of potential of what if, and that's going back to the Blake Griffin thing, which is just sign him and then figure out what to do with him later. Yeah, I agreed, and uh, you know I think that's it's it's a dangerous game, and honestly, the Jazz know Dante Exum best, and so right. it's it's going to be. I I kind of hate doing this, but I think. Whatever Dennis Lindsay does will probably be the right decision. Correct. Like I don't want to be the Dennis Lindsay Homer guy that just says whatever Dennis does is is obviously right. But, but trust the guy who knows the most to make Dennis, the best decision. Yeah, no one knows more about Dante Exum than than the Jazz do. They see him right. every single day, and and you know we we just haven't seen him that frequently. But I would be stunned if the Jazz let him walk. Uh, quick update on the games tonight: uh, the Blazers did win on the road at the Pelicans. Man, the Blazers are good. They've won at the Thunder. They won at the Pelicans. They win big game. They won here against the Jazz, and the Jazz aren't losing to anybody yeah. other than the Hawks currently, uh, and I guess the Rockets one time. The Jazz aren't losing games at home. The Pelicans aren't losing a lot of games this year. The Thunder haven't lost a ton of games, and the Blazers find a way to beat all those teams. So look out for that team. That's a very dangerous team and could be insane once we get to the playoff time. But let's see how they work over a seven you know, a seven game period. That also means the Jazz are only a half game back of the five seed as of right now, um, with New Orleans and the San Antonio Spurs tied there at five and six with matching forty three and thirty two records. The Jazz win tomorrow, then they'll move up into a tie with those teams, uh, which, you know, would be would be pretty neat. Ja- uh, Jazz are five for five as far as games they needed help on over the last two nights, which was last night Denver lost its at Philadelphia 
and uh, the Grizzlies won at Minnesota, which is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then tonight, Spurs lost at the Wizards, Nuggets lost at the Raptors, and the Blazers won at the Pelicans. And we haven't said that sentence in a long time. I mean, that's really yeah. uh, just you know, teams have been winning every single game in this Western Conference race, it seems like, until these last three days. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's really helping the Jazz out. And if you, I think as a Jazz fan... My goal has has moved from beyond just making the playoffs to getting one of those three through six seeds. And I think it's likely that they do so, and these results really, really help. Uh, Andrew, yes. do we have more questions? Yes. <laughs> uh, I I was hoping you were talking to me when you said Andrew. Yeah. Uh, at Francisco Vasquez. I'm at, sorry. I'm the only one who calls you Andrew. Everyone calls Vamo. you Andy. I'm sorry. I call uh, you my Andrew. mother calls me Andrew, okay. too. So that's me and uh, your mom. Concerning. Uh, Francisco says, Amigo, when Hayward gets to come back and play against the Jazz, wouldn't it be more painful to him not to boo him at all, like he was never part of the teams, rather than to boo him? Nope. This has been a, a real, uh, part of the discussion today, the Gordon Hayward comeback. Yep. I don't think, Gordon Hayward's not going to be in Salt Lake City tomorrow. I, has he traveled uh, at all with the team? I, I, I haven't I think he was him. at one game, and they made like a big thing out of it, but even then, yeah, he's not been around very much. Yeah, I, I would, I would be surprised. Why would you send a guy like that on the road? And why would you send him to Utah? <laughs> right. That's a stupid thing to he'll do. He'll just get booed. Or, yeah. yeah. Right. Someone's going to kneecap him as he limps. All right. You know, like, what? it's it's just not going to be good. Does the idea of killing someone with kindness, <laughs> is that better than being mean to them? Francisco's it, not suggesting killing them with kindness. He's killing them through silence. Right. Just be like, you mean nothing you to mean us. You mean nothing to us. Which is Which would be cool if it were at all feasible. Right. You're not going to organize 20,000 people to do that. Yeah. Uh no, it's worse to get booed than to be cheered, than certainly, to be... than to get this stand, you know, this, oh, thanks for what you did, Gordon. Yeah. Uh, okay, what if Gordon Hayward, I kind of like Francisco's idea, actually. Gordon Hayward goes to the line next year when he's healthy, comes back, complete silence. Could hear a pin drop. It'd be kind of cool. It would be cool. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit not. Yeah, you're right. Again, it's a cool idea. There's no chance it's going to happen. And be booed. Be it, you know, we've never seen Gordon Hayward have to be a bad guy before. And he I clearly I, struggled with being a bad guy this offseason yeah. to the point where he didn't tell anyone he was going to be a bad guy. Right. And I, you know, I, I look, I'm not, I think I'm with a lot of jazz fans who think that this decision was made by Gordon Hayward for a really long time. Hmm. I, I think he knew for a long time that it was Boston. I think he did the nice thing by talking to Miami and maybe he just did Miami to make it easier to leave the jazz by saying, hey, this is a three team race, you know, and just tried to muddy it up a little bit. Yeah. I don't think it was Utah. I, I don't think it was ever going to be Utah. I think, yeah, I, 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 I think Utah was more likely than Miami ever was because it just right. didn't make sense from a basketball point of view, at least from my, you know, uh, what I think. Uh, but I, I agree that he made the decision prior to July fourth. I still think that the decision and how it happened and all of that, while I think that made Dennis Lindsay and team more angry than, uh, than anything, I think for Jazz fans, it was the fact that. They loved the guy for seven years. They put, you know, they bought jerseys. They supported him. They, sure. you know, he was the guy, and then, and rightfully so. And then he said, "I don't love you back," right? And I, that that hurts. I think the Jazz, as an organization, propped up Gordon Hayward so much to make him feel like he was that guy. And Jazz fans, at some point, eventually bought in and said, yeah. "Okay, we agree with you." And honestly, like he was good enough he in was the last enough. season right. that he, he right. deserved that those accolades, that attention, that that love. And then still left, and which is fine. Left. Good for him. And, you know, you get the, yeah, you get the chanting at the end of his last game, you know, all this kind of stuff, the billboards, everything else, all the stuff that says we love you. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just starts to get rejected. 
That's Gordon Hayward. <laughs> and he won't be here tomorrow. And the Jazz should beat Boston without him and Kyrie Irving and Marcus Smart. That's still going to be a tough Boston team. They're going to give the Jazz a lot. But the Jazz should still beat a Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford-led team with how they're playing right now. Uh, Jonathan Turnbow says, for the last month, the Celtics have openly said they plan to have Gordon travel with the team in March. He went on the last road trip. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. I would be surprised if he was here tomorrow. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. And we'll see if he shows his face. Maybe he just hides in the locker room. Do we still, I wouldn't blame him either. We should see where, uh, I guess Robin won't be with the team. So I would think we she don't, wouldn't be. Gordon, we don't know where Gordon is right now. Uh, we'll look that up. Next I question. I also just don't think it's that big of a deal, right? Like, It would be weird for him to show up in a game he's not playing in. I don't think it makes sense for Boston. I think it's a distraction to that team. I think it's a distraction to the Jazz. I think it's a distraction to the NBA. Yeah. Uh, one more off-season question. Do the Jazz want Derek Favors to stay? If they do, will he? And what's your opinion? Go back to my Blake Griffin thing. If you can sign him, sign him and trade him. If you can sign him for, yeah, below market deal. Market deal. I don't care. What's what's his market? Look, clearly well, not that fair. big. Because, yeah. you know, honestly, the Jazz have probably looked for suitors for him Absolutely. in the last two trade deadlines and haven't found anything. So, like, so why do you think Derek Favors is tradable under, you know, under your idea? Three years. Oh, because I think the Jazz have rejected deals. Oh, they've rejected, you know, but not for like, they haven't gotten a first round pick offer. Right. But fine. Sign him. And then if you have to trade him for an expiring contract and a second round pick, fine. Okay. That's what you got. At least he didn't walk for nothing. Okay. You know, sign him and then, yeah, trade him to the Pelicans for Nikola Miritich. Whatever. You know, if they'll take it. If they don't resign Boogie Cousins. You couldn't do that until like December, but yeah. Great. You have him until December. He's fine. <laughs> Derek Favors yeah, is no, a great player. Wrong. Jazz are better with Derek Favors okay. than not with Derek Favors. I think we've learned that when they lost to the Hawks without Derek Favors. Yeah. They need that second option he, off the bench. They need that other guy that can score the basketball and get easy shots when they can't shoot. And Derek Favors has that skill set. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the NBA knows that too. The Jazz probably wanted a first-round pick. Yeah. And then said if we walk, if he walks, mm-hmm. he walks. But there's a chance he doesn't walk either. And we resign him and then you trade him in the offseason. Or you trade him next year. Agreed. And I, I think, think all those things the Jazz have thought about. Yes. And, and I think the Jazz, you know, see how good the Jay Crowder lineup has been. And, and so I, I don't think that they're dying to keep him. Uh, I think they would like to have him back if it were a below market deal or an at market deal. Sure. Why not? Uh, if they have to pay too much for him long term such that it would mess up their future, you know, plans, then I, I don't think they would. Uh, and if, and I think he would be interested in coming back if, it's the best offer. You know, I, I think he would be okay playing for a, a losing team like an Atlanta, like a Phoenix Suns, you know, whatever that looks like, and helping that team rebuild um, if that team gave him, you know, $15 million a year or whatever that looks like for what Derek Favors' contract would be good. But he has been, honestly, uh, you know, I, I he has been great over the last two months yep. in terms of filling his role. You know, I, I would I used to look at Tony Jones on uh, press row every time he would take what we called a YOLO shot, or uh-huh. just like he would get a rebound, take a turnaround, fadeaway jump shot because Derek Favors thought he needed his, and right. really those shots have completely disappeared, and and really he's fit in the team concept brilliantly, which you have to give him a ton of credit for. I I I love what Fav has done over the last two and a half months. Uh, tweet at us at Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops. You can also give us a call eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred. 877-353-0700. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get to more of your questions. We also need to go over the records of the teams vying for the playoff spots uh, and what they have coming up on their schedule and how what where we'll predict where they're going to finish. We'll just go game by game, and uh, we'll predict where these teams finish. That's coming up next. It's the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. 
The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. You can tweet at us at Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops. And he's the managing editor for Salt City Hoops, the True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. He's also the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. I'm the co-host of Gunther and Ben right here on ESPN 700. You can always tweet at us, as I mentioned. You can also call us 877-353-0700. All right, I'm going to find updated NBA standings because a lot of times they won't update these games. Uh, as they go live, because tonight we've had some uh, changes already. Yeah. Uh, should I read out the scores while we're Why don't you read out the waiting? scores, and I'll see if I can actually find an I'm I'm telling you, I guarantee you I'm not going to be able to find an updated uh, standings. <laughs> so uh, we've got five games here in, in the last couple of days, and they've all honestly gone the Jazz's way. Uh, we start earlier tonight with the San Antonio Spurs playing the Washington Wizards. The Spurs go down to Washington uh, 116-106. LaMarcus Aldridge left that game after playing only 18 minutes with what was called a left knee contusion. It could be more. He'll be undergoing an MRA later. Uh, but either way, could miss time with that knee contusion. That could change the, the uh, face of the Western Conference playoff race even more for the Spurs, who obviously are already missing Kawhi Leonard. The Toronto Raptors beat the Denver Nuggets earlier today, 114-110. Again, adding more of a gap between the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets for that last remaining spot. Uh, it looks highly unlikely at this point Denver makes it into the playoffs. Uh, Houston did beat Chicago 118-86. That's up at the top. Maybe not that related to what the Jazz are doing. Portland just beat the New Orleans Pelicans 107-103 to in a race that's really important for uh, playoff seating right now. The New Orleans Pelicans are currently tied for fifth with the San Antonio Spurs there. Uh, and so only a half game ahead of the Utah Jazz, being if the Jazz were to win tomorrow, they would be tied in that 5-6-7 race and actually have the tiebreaker over those teams so they could be in fifth with a win over Boston tomorrow. Easier said than done. Uh, finally, we've got Dallas, Sacramento still playing, Indiana, Indianapolis, Golden State, and Milwaukee, and L.A. Clippers still to come. Um, that Clippers-Bucks game could be important as well it, it's, if the Clippers have any chance in, in making them back into the playoff picture. Uh, I think I've got these updated, Andy, so thank you for uh, – and I can look at this really quick. We can do some simple math when we're going through it. Sure. Uh, let's see. The Clippers are 39 and 34. Yes. Okay. Let's go through these really quick. <laughs> uh, I think I've got them updated. Okay. The Thunder are still the four seed right now. I don't have the Blazers in here. The Blazers won again tonight. They're four games ahead of the Jazz as of right now. They're significantly ahead of the Thunder as well. I yes. think the Blazers locked up to three seed most likely tonight. Yeah, unless they lose a, a lot of their next games, which would just be so... It just wouldn't be like the way they've played over the last two right. months. I mean, I, I just it, it's really hard to see coming. They play the Memphis Grizzlies uh, on Thursday. Uh, or Sorry, they, they actually play tomorrow on a back-to-back. Then the Clippers, Memphis again, Dallas. These teams are easy. Uh, then they do play the Rockets on the road. That's probably a loss. But then only the San Antonio Spurs and the Denver Nuggets before playing the Jazz in the last game of the season. It's just hard to see how they lose that ground with that easy of a schedule, especially early. All right. Thunder are 44 and 31. 13 games above 500. So they've had a very good season. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's their next few games. Let's just walk through them and we'll, we'll say whether or not it's a win or a loss. And it's hard because we don't know what's going on with all these players, including LaMarcus Aldridge. But their next game on the road at San Antonio. 
Yeah, uh, I, I would still say that you know the Thunder are probably favored in that game, especially if Lamarcus Aldridge is is not going to play. Um, even if he is, I would say you know given how the Thunder have been playing recently and how the Spurs have been playing recently, I, okay. I still might take the Thunder. Okay, let's give him a win. Uh, versus the Nuggets, I'm going to say that's a W. Cool. Uh, at the Pelicans, I'm going to say that's a loss. Yeah, that's that's probably a fair loss to give. Versus the Warriors, this is four games from now, so you're probably talking about another week. Uh, Steph definitely won't be back. Kevin Durant should be back. Draymond Green should be back. Clay Thompson should be back. Probably will be back. I think you have to say it's a loss given those three okay. backs. Uh, it's at home, but sure. At the Rockets. That's a loss. Loss. At the Heat. Still playing for something. Because they're vying with the Bucks for a playoff but you position. Should, you, I, would still, I would say that the they're better than, than okay. the Heat. Do it. Versus Grizzlies. I think that's a win. Yeah. So we've got them winning four games and losing three games. Okay. So they would finish at 48, 48 wins and 34. Okay. Pelicans versus the Blazers. That was a loss tonight. So my numbers are already off. Let me see how many games. Hold on. I've got them having played 74. Okay. I think we're right here. Cool. So they're at 43 and 32. Yes. After tonight. After tonight they're at 43 and 32. We'll see if I do this math right. At the Cavs. That's probably uh oof. I think that's Probably a win. A, you think? I think it's a win. Cavs lost tonight on the road at Miami. Pelicans have Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. I mean, I, I, I honestly think that's. And then again, the Cavs had won five straight going into tonight. Yeah, I, I mean, that that's a pick 'em to me. Let, okay, let's say it's say? a fifty-fifty game. Let's move on. We'll come back. to Okay. It. Versus the Thunder. Uh, I would say that's a. What did we've we say? already picked that as a <laughs> as a win for the Pelicans. All right. Uh, versus the Grizzlies, that's a win. At the Suns, that's a win. At the Warriors. Probably a loss. Yes. For the same um, reason. At the Clippers. I think it's a win. Yes. They're better than the, the Clippers. At the Spurs, last game of the season, I'm gonna Oof. I'm gonna give it to the Spurs. Okay. Yeah. Um so we've got them guaranteed getting well not guaranteed, but beating the Thunder, Grizzlies, Suns, Clippers and Spurs. They've already got five wins there, which puts them at forty eight wins. So tied with the Thunder. Uh, and if they get one more, and if they say... beat the Cavs, they could be at forty nine. Okay. I'll just put maybe 49. Okay. Like uh, Spurs, 43 and 32 after tonight. Okay. Versus the Thunder next. We had the Thunder winning that game. Okay. Versus the Rockets. I think that's a loss. Yes. Oh, I've got these backwards. I apologize. We're doing this live on air. <laughs> At the Clippers, I think that's a win. Oh, yep. Ooh, yeah. That's still a For win. For the same thing, we, you know, we said that about the Pelicans. Okay. At the Lakers, probably a win. That's probably a win. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that LaMarcus Aldridge is going to be back. If he's okay. not, we'll totally have to change this. Yep. Versus the Blazers, that's a loss. Okay. Versus the Kings, that's a win. At the Pelicans, we said that was a loss for the Spurs, a win for the Pelicans. Okay. The Spurs have one, two, three, four more wins here. That, that gets, gets them, them up to, to 47. 47. And what, 35? Yeah. Jazz, 42 and 32, 10 games above 500, currently in the seventh seed. Versus Boston, Probably I think this a win. is a win. Versus the Grizzlies, win. Probably a win. Versus the Wolves, or at the Wolves, I should I say. I think you have to say probably a loss, given okay. you know, given the records. I I know the form of those two teams is not you know the same. And, probably and no Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, Butler back. Probably. probably not back. Uh, I I would still say that Vegas is going to have the Wolves favored. Okay. Versus the Lakers, uh, win. Versus the Clippers, win. At the Lakers, win. Okay. Versus the Warriors at home, second to last game of the season, and it's it's the Warriors' last game. They don't play the Wednesday. Jazz are so I think game. the Warriors are going to rest their players. Everybody. We know Steph won't be back for sure. There's no reason to play Kevin Durant, who's still going to be at 90% with a rib injury. 
Maybe Clay or Draymond plays. Yeah. I still think the Jazz win that game. And it's it's in Salt Lake. Salt Lake, right? Yeah. So I, I it's it's hard to know because you know if if two or three of those guys play, then maybe you say they're the Jazz aren't favored. But if only one or zero of them do, Here's then the I, thing. I, I pick the Jazz. I'll say this: and the it Jazz will are going to either much more for the Jazz than it will. For the Jazz the will either win at the Wolves or win at home against the Warriors. Okay. So we'll just go. We'll just split those. So we'll we'll say they beat the Warriors at the Blazers last game of the season. I'm just going to say that's a loss. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Jazz one, two, three, four, five. I've got six more wins. What you're hoping for is that last game of the season at Portland, then it doesn't matter for them either. Right. And then you hope that they rest players and, and you know, it you feel a lot better about winning that. So game. I've got the Jazz getting to forty eight wins. Clip Great. or or let's get to the Wolves. Versus the Hawks, that's a win. At the Mavs, that's a win. Versus the Jazz, we have that as a win. At the Nuggets might have Jimmy Butler back at that point. Yeah, I, I but think might not. And the Nuggets have been playing some okay. iffy basketball. It's a win. I, I say win. At the Lakers. Versus the Grizzlies. Win. Dangerous for the Wolves. Uh, <laughs> it and has then been. Versus the Nuggets. Uh, again, win. Okay, we've got them winning out. The likelihood of that happening is zero. They're not zero? going to win out. They lost to the Grizzlies last night. That's Without good. Jimmy yeah. Butler, that's not a good basketball team. But let's just go off what how many, our predictions were. So if we say that they win all their games, how many wins do they have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 49 wins. It's not crazy. That's not. But that means they win out, and I don't think they're going to win out. Yeah. So in all honesty, I think they probably lose one along the way. Probably 48. Okay. Uh, nuggets, 40 and 35. I'm sorry if this is the worst radio anyone's ever heard. I don't. I hope it's not, but we, we, we can do that. You and I have done that before. <laughs> uh, nuggets, 40 wins at Toronto. With no, Actually, they lost that game already. Yes. <laughs> that was tonight. Good prediction. So I don't know if they're... One, two, three, four. So five, they only six, have six. Seven. Games. Okay, so I don't have this. Uh... Or yeah, seven games left. So this one. at Thunder lost. lost. First Bucks lost. Lost versus the Bucks. I think they beat the Bucks. Okay. Yeah, at home. Yeah. Okay. Versus the Pelicans lost. Am I supposed to say versus? I think I'm supposed to say versus. By right. the way, uh, versus the <laughs> Wolves lost. Lost versus a musical thing. Uh, at the Clippers lost. Right there, tied versus the, the Blazers. Lost at the Wolves. Lost. Okay, we've got them winning one more game the rest of the season. They're not going to make it. Uh, that gives them forty-one and forty-one. Okay. I think that's realistic, and I think you start to see there the Nuggets probably don't have a chance to make the playoffs. Their magic number is seven with the Jazz. Uh, I think they're going to easily. They might lose seven more games. Uh, Clippers thirty-nine and thirty-four. This is the last team we're going to do this with. So, so stay with us. Uh, versus the Bucks. That's tonight. Okay, uh, let's say a win. Okay, at the Suns, win. Win. At the Blazers, loss. Versus the Pacers, loss. Okay, versus the Spurs, that's a that's we've lost. We said so. Yep. At the Jazz, lost. got that as a loss. Versus the Nuggets, we have that as a win. Versus the Pelicans, loss. Versus the Lakers, win. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a home game for the Lakers, too, but the Clippers are better. Uh, Clippers are at 39 wins. They get one, two, three, four more games. So they finish 43. Still not that close to the rest of the West, which our lowest other team had 47 wins. Is that right? Uh, Other than the Nuggets, who had 41 wins. Right, right, right. So let's go through these really quick. Andy, you want to write these down? Sure. uh, And organize this really quick. Thunder, 48 wins. Pelicans, 49 wins, depending on what happens on the road at Cleveland. That could drop them down to... Oh no, we've got them at forty-eight wins and maybe up to forty-nine if they okay. can beat Cleveland. Okay, Spurs forty-seven wins. 
Jazz, 48 wins. Wolves, 49 wins, but that means they win out, and the likelihood of them winning out is so slim. Yeah. There's a high likelihood they finish at 48 wins. Nuggets, 41. Clippers, 43. Okay. What's our standings? So you'd have Thunder, Jazz, Pelicans, and Wolves all tied from 4 to 8. Okay. The from Jazz, 4 to 7, That's me. bad because the Jazz lose the tiebreaker so the against Jazz, the Thunder. Right now they don't own the tiebreaker against the Wolves, and we've got them losing that game at Minnesota. So you'd have a uh, you'd have two wins and six losses at that point, but you've gone three and one against the Spurs, and you've gone three and one against the Pellies. So you have an exactly five hundred record. Okay, that's not uh, going to be good enough. That that's going to be good enough to get you either second or third in that. Right. So you're going to be you're going to end up there with the fifth or the sixth seed. Right. And the Wolves I think actually win that tiebreaker if they're in that so mix too. because the Wolves swept the Pelicans, were good against the Jazz. Uh, I think they were good against the uh, Thunder as well. Oh, and sorry, the so the Spurs wouldn't be in that because they only have 47 wins. So you you're right. I think the Jazz would either end up losing that tiebreak or finishing second. And it's a four team tiebreaker, so this is a this is a difficult math problem, but like So we know that the Clippers and Nuggets wouldn't make it. Who would be our 8 seed? Uh, is that a tiebreaker team? Would be the Spurs. The Spurs, because they've only got forty-seven. Forty-seven wins. Then you would have seven through five, all tied together. Four through seven through four. Seven through four, all tied together. And it's not crazy to think that you're going to have a three or a four-way tie at the end of the season. Um, can we do this? Can I tell you the the scientific, the mathematical models and what they've projected? Let's hear it. Actually, you know what? Let's save it. We'll talk about it on the other side. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Andy will tell us what the scientific or mathematical models tell us about the Western Conference playoffs. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. It's the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Let's talk ESPN 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700, 849. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Andy's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. I am the co-host of Gunther and Ben right here on ESPN 700, 2 through 6, Monday through Friday. Yes. Uh, thanks for tuning in tonight. Andy, we were talking about the, uh, we made our own projective models, uh, of where teams would finish. We have the Jazz finishing with 48 wins along with the Thunder, along with the Wolves, because we had them winning out and getting to 49 wins, mm-hmm. but in all likelihood, they probably don't win out. So they probably get 48 wins. And then we also have the Pelicans at 48, but potentially 49, depending on what they can do on the road at the Cavs in their next game. Yeah. Uh, and so we were looking at, we looked at it kind of from a game by game basis, but there's a lot of toss ups or like small advantages yeah. there. You know, you, there's a Lamarcus Aldridge injury that's looming after sure. a game tonight where the Spurs lost on the road, uh, at the Washington Wizards, which if that hangs over and, you know, let's say he misses the rest of the season because he's got a, a bad knee injury or leg injury, all, all of a sudden maybe the Spurs fall out and the Clippers take him over. And honestly, you're talking about a Minnesota Timberwolves team that's 4-6 and six in their last 10. Right. A San Antonio team that's 6-4 and four in their last 10. A Pelly's team that's 5-5 five and five in their last 10. You know, these are, they're not going to probably win all of the games that even they should win. And apparently, uh, Anthony Davis was a little beat up tonight as well. Yeah. Was playing, he, uh, limping he in the play fourth quarter. He did finish the game, but was uh, limping, noticeably. Uh, which, again, Anthony Davis, he played hurt against the Jazz. Yeah, he's always hurt. And, yeah, was was great. Uh, anyway, so looking at, I'll look at two models. The, the 538, actually, let's do three models. The 538 model, which does update based on results, uh, which is good. So that model has the Thunder finishing with 48 wins, Jazz finishing with, uh, 47 wins, the Pellies finishing with 47 wins, and then the Timberwolves Spurs finishing with 46 wins. And this is updated as of tonight. Yes. They so update includes, almost up to the minute. Today's 
playoff results, um, which is, which is good. Um, so I, and have the Jazz have a 96% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, and so the Jazz would have the five seed in this model. Correct. Uh, cause they would be tied with the Pelicans, but the Jazz on the tiebreaker over the Pelicans, and they would play the Thunder in the first round of the playoffs. Though so just a game separating the Thunder and the Jazz. So you flip those one way or another, and the Jazz could have home court advantage. Yeah. And also, you know, I, I'm not sure who wins that Thunder Pelicans matchup either. And, and maybe you don't want to play the Thunder in the first round, quite frankly, with, with especially without home court advantage, but. Uh, and then these next two models don't take into account tonight's, tonight's games. Uh, but it, it shows the, the Portland Trailblazers having a 76% chance at keeping that third seed. Yep. The Thunder uh, with a 28% chance, their most likely seed is to be their, that fourth seed. Okay. And then the Jazz and Spurs are almost tied for that fifth seed at about 24% apiece. Okay. And in fact, for both teams, that's their most likely seed, believe it or not. Like, okay. Based on how the, the, you know, sure. the, the bar graph works There's out. There's still a 76% chance the Jazz don't make it there. But if you're going by any one seed, the most likely is the Jazz end up with the fifth seed. Agreed. And that kind of shows, again, how variance this, that variant this whole picture is. Uh, 20% chance to make the sixth seed, et cetera. Uh, and then you have the Pelicans in this model. This is Jacob Goldstein's model uh, it, with a 19% chance. Their most likely seed would be seventh. And then Minnesota most likely finished out, finishing out at eighth. Both of these models really hate how the Timberwolves have finished these last 10 games, understandably so, and don't think that they're going to finish as well as we thought they would. And so much depends on whether Jimmy Butler gets back because they're a totally different team without him. And again, what are the, right. you said they're four and six in their last 10. Exactly. The idea that they would then go and rattle off seven, seven straight games including some reasonably tough games. Now, again, that totally depends on whether or not Jimmy Butler comes back. But you look at the Timberwolves. They play the Hawks. That's a win. At the Mavs, should be a win. Versus the Jazz without Jimmy Butler is a very tough game. Mm -hmm. At the Nuggets, at the Lakers without Jimmy Butler are really tough games. Then you get to finish versus the Grizzlies and versus the Nuggets. So I get why versus I get why (laughs) we have them uh, going 7-0. Uh, but in all likelihood, I think they're going to lose one of those. I'll uh, I'll spare you the numbers on the impredictable model, although I, I like their website a lot. If you haven't checked it out, impredictable.com. Uh, I'll, I'll just say that the seeds are the same as Jacob Goldstein's model, again, taking into account the recent performance, except for tonight's games, um, which only help the Jazz. So I, I, I guess in conclusion from, you know, if we were to wrap the last half hour of the show up, I would say that the Jazz are actually in a really good spot to avoid getting the seventh or eighth seed yep. and, you know, win and get either three through six and kind of avoid one of the, the top two teams in the playoffs. And most likely four through six. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's really, that's important for a, how likely they are to have a first round, a competitive first round series and kind of for the, the franchise, uh, Brand, if you will, the sure. yeah, you know what, and maybe the locker room mentality, the and, locker room to go in and say, you know what, we didn't squeak into the playoffs. Like you were significantly right. better, or not, you know, you were <laughs> at least a game better than some other teams that you knew were going to be playoff competitive all season long. And to tie even the whole show together, looking at the off season too, if the Jazz end up only having the mid level exception to to sign players with, and they're competing with twenty other teams with that mid level exception. How they are perceived and how close they are to winning, um, it's going to be a big, big tiebreaker when six teams, when a player gets six offers for the mid-level exception, for example. Uh, uh, and so that could be the difference between getting a, a Trevor Ariza and getting a Milos, no, I, I mean a Mirza Toledovic or someone sure. like that. A uh, couple quick questions, uh, last questions before we wrap up the show. Uh, do you see Gobert getting any short of any sort of shooting skills improvement 
What do you think, Jazz in Rio? Uh, he is very good in practice, and you know, I, I we've seen him make it in games, and then we've seen him just miss wildly. Uh, I think I'm more convinced he'll get shooting than he'll get a hook shot. Actually, okay. Um, hook shot is more I, I think touch he, related. I yeah, feel like I, I think he de- has trouble with the physicality of getting bumped on that hook shot. Yep. Kind of, kind of knocking that off. He's not going to be bumped on jump, jump shots, right? He doesn't. I still don't want him to take either. I want every Correct. single time he takes a jump shot, I want him the Jazz to reset and do a pick and roll. Right, and that's a better option. Yeah, and will probably always be a better option. But I understand why you say, hey. If he's 10% better on his jump shot than he is not shooting his jump shot at all, then at least there's some risk that you can pull the other guy out, which open, right. you know, which pulls out a defender, which helps Jay Crowder, which okay. helps Dante Exum, which helps Derek Favors if he's on the floor with him together. Okay. Uh, I think that's your best hope there. But uh, yeah, I, he should take one a game. Okay. That's what I think. I think he should sure. take one a game. Okay. The same way some games take one a game. Uh, and yeah, that's not going to kill you. I don't think it most likely. Big thanks to our producer today, J.P. Chunga. You can find him on Twitter at J.P. underscore Chunga. Follow Andy on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. You can read him at KSL.com where he's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz. And you can catch me right here on ESPN 700 alongside Kyle Gunther on Gunther and Ben. Two to six, Monday through Friday. We'll be back with you tomorrow. It's the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. As we get closer to the Final Four, how are your brackets bearing in this year's stance? Still in it for the million? Did you really pick a 16 over a 1? Or hoping for the best bracket and a thousand bucks? ESPN 700 and Golden West Credit Union remind you to take a look at your brackets on ESPN700sports.com. The 